0: Children's Church today. Notice how many more are going to get up. There you go. All kinds of them today. Wonderful. Thank you, Mrs. Montgomery, Mrs. Ridley, heading up Children's Church once again today. Thank you very much. What's the first verse you're going to go to this morning? Let's see. Why don't you go to. uh, 1 John 5, the first verse we look at when we get there after introduction. So let's get our Bibles out, go to 1 John 5. We'll look at some verses throughout the message this morning and I'll quote some verses. I was looking over the message this morning, early this morning, and I thought, you know, I think I could save a lot of time. I just quote all these verses and keep firing along as I preach and I thought, No, I don't want it to be a time saver. I can get more in when I quote the verses, and you'll have to take time to find them. Oh, by the way, sometimes I like to quote them so you don't have to go to your phone and find them. I told you last week, I'm sorry, but the last three times I came in the auditorium to sit down, the people in front of me on their phones were not looking at Bible verses. I think somebody was looking at maybe a home to buy or something like that, all kinds of beautiful houses. Somebody else was Googling something. I had no clue what it was, and I didn't. I hope the other one wasn't a video game, but it looked like it might have been, and I thought, what in the world? How in the world are people thinking when they come to Sunday school and church? So I just always hate to say, you know, uh, turn to such and such a passage because I'm afraid when you grab your phone, you'll check your texts out real fast. That's one problem about the social distance thing, you know. You got nobody behind you, (laughs) okay? So you get more freedom, don't you? They go to this site you want to go. And then sometimes people Google stuff I'm preaching. People come at me after the service and say, oh, by the way, that was really interesting when you are mentioning about this. Well, you know, I found this out, and they tell me this big, long thing. They learn about something back in ancient history because that tied in with what I preached. And I say, so where'd you figure that How'd you figure that Well, I Googled it. And I say, when'd you Google it? Well, the head goes down while you were preaching. I'm thinking don't do that. Okay, Google it when you get home. But anyway, I'll have some verses for you to look at today because I think it is good to see them in our Bible. And uh, maybe you want to underline them or highlight them, or write a little something there in the margin, okay? And so we'll, we'll do a kind of combination this morning. But we're going to be looking at 1 John chapter 5 a verse in 1 John for our first verse this morning. I've been reading through the book of Hebrews in my daily devotions as I've recommended that our, ch- our church people do. And when I read Hebrews 11, I was challenged again. I thought this faith chapter is so thrilling. It is so exciting. I know Jason's been teaching through Hebrews. I didn't know how far he was, but I thought probably he just about finished Hebrews 11. I come to Sunday school this morning, and there it was. In fact, he kind of taught part of the message. He taught part of the message I want to preach today, this morning. That'll be just fine. Repetition aids learning. It doesn't hurt to hear something twice, okay? But I've been reading through through the book of Hebrews. I'm reading chapter 11, and I'm just thinking more and more about the subject of faith. And then something happened Wednesday that was very significant and very exciting and very important. I shared this in, uh, in our midweek service, our Truth Seekers, on Wednesday night, okay? A fifth grade girl came up to me sometime during the morning and said, Pastor, could I, Pastor Carson, could I please talk to you now? She doesn't go to our church, okay? So it's a fifth grade girl. In fact, she doesn't go to any church. She came and said, could I please talk to you? A little note the day before that said, I'm, I'm, I'm having some doubts about my salvation. Sometime I'd like to talk to you if I could. And I, and I told Mrs. Ridley, I'll find her tomorrow. I'll talk with her. Well, I didn't have to find her. She found me. she said, could I please talk to you sometime? I have some questions about my salvation. I said, would this be a good time? She said, sure. And I'd already, Mrs. Ridley had already told me whenever she comes, it's a good time. So we went in the office. And I began to talk to her, talk with her. Because she wasn't sure if she was saved or if she wasn't saved. She didn't know if she was truly a Christian, but was going through a time of doubting it, or if she had never, ever really been saved. And I did preach on salvation in chapel Wednesday morning, and that might have been a help. It might have also kind of, I, I preached the message of salvation so that those who were saved would be saved, and those who weren't would at least hear the gospel. So she came up to me sometime during the morning and we sat in the office and began to talk about this. And so what I was doing was, I don't ever try to get a person to think they're not saved if they are saved. If they are saved, it doesn't do any good to try to get them to pray again. Then they need assurance from the word of God that they are truly saved. If they're not a Christian then I would be foolish to lead them on to think that they were when I felt like they were. not so, so anyway, I was talking with her about the subject of, of believing what God says because if you're doubting your salvation but you are saved, the problem is you're doubting God's word. You're not believing God's word. If, you are, if you're not a Christian, you need to be saved, then you will never be saved apart from the word of God. So what the Bible says becomes very important. So I was talking to her about the meaning of believing what God says. And I just, as I was talking, I said, um, so what is faith? What is faith? As soon as I asked that question, without hesitation, she said, this is a fifth grade girl, doesn't go to church. As soon as I said, so what is faith? She says, now faith is a... Hope for the evidence of things not seen. It just about knocked me off my chair. I thought, what? So I said, So what is faith? She said, Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I think she could tell I was surprised. I said, How do you know that? Where did you ever hear that? That is Hebrews, that's in the book, of, that's in the Bible, it's like word for word. She says, Yeah, I know. I said, How did you know that? She said, Well, last year in the Miss Carsey's had us memorize, I think it was like the first 10 verses of Hebrews. I'll tell you one thing, when she said it to me, I thought, Pastor Carsey's, I'm sure glad this school's still going. Don't give it up unless you have to. Keep it going. Here's a girl who last year in the fourth grade remembers that the students learned Hebrews 11, I think the first 10 verses. And when I ask her, what is faith? Boom, she says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. By the way, I did not go through that verse and explain to her the meaning of all the words. I just went on to talk to her about the importance of what faith really is. How important it is that when God says something, we have to believe that what God says is true. And so my mind has been on the subject of faith really for the last weeks, and especially this week, and especially again on Wednesday morning, I thought, you know, I'm going to preach a message, a series of messages. Initially, I was just going to preach a message this morning on faith. Then I said, well, I'll preach this morning on faith and tonight on faith. Then the more I studied faith, I thought, oh, man, I need to preach a series on faith. You know, so many people, and I thank the Lord for this, okay, so many people have said that the messages on the fullness of God's spirit were such a blessing and a help and a challenge and encouragement to them. And I thought, you know, if those messages, greatly needed, could be a blessing and a help to people in our church, oh, even perhaps how much could a series of messages on the topic of faith be a blessing, a tremendous help, a great encouragement. Because when you think about it, just think about the Bible, the whole entire word of God, next to the subject of... God, I mean, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the triune God, the Trinity, what each of the three members of the triune God do. It's it's, just, it's obviously, it's the main theme of the Bible. God in the scriptures, you know, theology, study of God, I mean, in the beginning, God, that's where it starts and it ends with the last verse in Revelation, and it's all about God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But I got thinking this week. When you you get just that subject in mind as the main thing in the Bible, I mean, what would be next? I would have to think it would be the subject of believe, the subject of faith. Now, don't do it now, but when you get home this afternoon, get out of concordance. You can use your phone if you want to at home, okay? Get out your phone and just look up the word faith or get, get out a Bible dictionary, Go to your computer and, and get on your software program and just put in faith or believe. And I'm telling you, they're, the, the, <laughs> they're all over. Faith all over the Bible. Believe all over the Bible. The whole subject of believing faith, Oh, it's, it's, so, it's so vitally important. So when you think about faith and how important it is, if you stop, if this thought goes through your mind, listen, faith or the lack of faith. Here's a good start. Faith or the lack of faith has everything to do with our eternal destiny. And I ask you please, what could be more important than that, amen? Faith, or the lack of faith has everything to do with where we go after we die. So you live five years or 10 years or 30 years or 50 years or 100 years or 110 years. However you long to live, however long you live, you take your last breath on planet Earth and you step out into eternity. Would you agree with me? Faith is pretty important at that point. And then you think about becoming a Christian. Everything about life for the Christian, it's all a life of faith. It has to do with our thoughts. It has to do with our decisions, our choices. It has everything to do with our attitude. Of course, it's about what we believe. It's, it's, it's everything. We'll look at the verse later. We walk by faith and not by sight. It's all about the Christian life. And whether therefore you eat or drink, do all, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. How can you do that if you don't walk by faith? So we're going to take, I don't know how long, several Sundays, and we're going to ask several different questions about faith. We're going to start with something that seems so simple. Any of you could come up here and preach this, I think. And then we'll just keep going on. We'll be more specific. Narrow it down some more. We're going to start very very general, very broad today. Okay. First of all, who has faith? Who experiences faith? If we had a Sunday school class, by the way, Every Sunday I say, I wish all of you could be in Mr. Tillman's class. It is so powerful. It is so wonderful. And I mean that. I go to Mr. Shirk's class this morning. I'm sitting there thinking, I wish all of you could be in Mr. Shirk's class. It is so powerful. It is so wonderful. Everybody ought to be there. We can't be in both classes. Amen. But what I'm saying is, I thank God for both of our adult Sunday school class teachers. They are well prepared and they teach with compassion and with courage. And I, I just, it was such a blessing again today. That was a wonderful class, Jason. And so, if I were in Sunday school now, I would say a uh, question, discussion question. Who can have faith? Who has faith? And we'd probably get some different answers. The best answer is everyone. Every human being has faith. You say, really? Yeah. Even unsaved people? Unsaved people. Non Christians. Because what is faith? Faith is really, we'll talk about this more tonight, faith is really taking somebody at their word, just believing somebody and I've mentioned this before, I get my salary check on Sunday night, Monday morning, I go to the bank, endorse the thing, make little deposits about, take my 20 bucks cash, give it to the lady there, you know, up the thing goes, and guess what, they're saying, we're gonna take good care of your money. They used to say, we're gonna give you some interest, forget the interest, get nothing, okay? (laughs) 0.1 or whatever on on that savings account, or not savings account, just checking account, okay? Well, they're going to take care of my the money. They're going to protect them. Really, I trust them, so I'm going to give them my money. You go to the doctor. doctor says, oh, you got a little problem here. I can take your problem. Writes out this little uh, prescription that nobody ever can read but the pharmacist, you know, or calls it in. You go to the Walmart. You pick up your, your prescription. You go home, and you swallow the pill, and you think, I'm going to get well. How do you know a doctor said so? Unsafe people live like that. That's fine. You want to go to Chicago? A oh, long walk, Amen. Now, uh, Daniel and Joe would probably ride your bike. Okay, help, help yourself, okay? But uh, anyway, you, you, you go to the airport, you get your ticket, you stand in line, you get the boarding pass. Me. You go in there, and you, you sit down, and you think, what, what am I doing? This plane's going to take me to Chicago. How do you know? You hope it will. A good engine, good pilot. How do you know he went to pilot school? How do you know he's working for waste management? You know, a new job today, okay? We put faith in people. You call your friend. You say, hey, I haven't, you, I haven't seen you for a long time. There's something I'd like to talk to you about. How about if we meet today for lunch? And your friend says, yeah, where do you want to meet? And you say, well, why don't we meet at, uh, I was going to say Panera Bread. Let the ladies go to Panera Bread. We're going to meet at Texas Roadhouse. How about that? Yeah, 4 o'clock. Well, that's a late lunch, okay. Hey, listen, so you go there and you wait. And Well, does your friend show up? Well, he said he would. You know, we just kind of live by faith. So faith is for everybody. If unsafe people came in church today came in the same building, somebody's saved, somebody's not saved, and they come in here, they look around, and they decide to sit on a pew. You say, well, I don't know if I was a Christian, if I was not. It doesn't make any difference. If the pew's good, it'll hold you up. If the pew's bad, you got a problem. But you came in here, you sat down saying, I believe this is a good pew, it'll hold me up, and you sat down. So a non-Christian Christian sit in the same pew, experience the same faith, what I'm saying is, Faith is something that we all have. Would you look please at 1 John chapter 5. Would you go to 1 John? Look at verse 9. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son hath a witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record, that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, he that hath not not life. I read all that to take you back to verse 9. If we, and you could insert, I'm not saying add this to the In your thinking, you could, and it it would help you with your meaning, you could add a little phrase here. If we receive the witness of men, parentheses, and we do all the time, then we should know that the witness of God is greater. I mean, it's just a natural, normal thing to believe people. And we hope they're telling us the truth. So take the if and make it sense because it's the way it is. It's reality. Since we continually, daily Over and over again, whoever we are, receive the testimony, the witness of men. We take them at their word and make decisions accordingly. Listen, the witness of God is greater. Amen? Well, for a whole lot of reasons, but that would be a message in itself. The main two reasons are because of who God is. God is absolute truth. So along with that, God always tells the truth. We're so close. Well, we're not real close. Go back to Titus 1. Boy, it's hard for me not to just quote all these verses, keep going, but go back to Titus. First chapter of Titus. Look at verse 2. Why is the witness of God greater? We believe the witness of men all the time, so why is it hard to believe God? It shouldn't be. Easiest thing in the world we ought to be. We ought to believe God a whole lot easier than man. Why? Verse 2 of Titus 1. In hope of eternal life, which God, next phrase please, that cannot lie, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. God doesn't lie. Sunday School lesson this morning about lying. One thing we've got to figure out: God never lies. That's pretty obvious. Was it all right for God to lie that one time? No, we're not going to be asking that discussion question. God cannot lie. He doesn't lie. Think of Numbers, numbers 23, 19. For God is not a man that he should lie, neither the Son of Man that he should repent. Hath he said it, shall he not do it? Hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? God is not a man that he should lie. He's not the son of man that he should repent. Whatever God says, amen, he he does. Whatever he speaks, he fulfills. So it ought not be hard to trust God. If we can trust the bank, if we can trust our friend, if we can trust a pharmacist or a doctor, If we can trust whoever else we trust all the time, then listen, why can't we just trust God that even unsaved people experience faith? Some people choose to believe this, and they live accordingly. Believe what? That God has spoken in his word, and that everything he says is true, and we can live accordingly. Now, as you know, of course, I'm preaching on faith. I'm preaching on spiritual faith. I'm preaching on spirit. It has to do with spiritual matters, our spiritual life. And when you think about that now, everybody doesn't have that kind of faith. Amen? Why don't you go just briefly to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, look at the first two verses. Paul says, Finally, brethren, pray for us. What are we supposed to pray for you about, Paul? That the word of the Lord may have free course that it, and, and be glorified even as it is with you. That we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. Notice, please, for all men have not faith. They don't have the faith. That's another area of faith. They don't believe in biblical truth, Bible doctrine, scriptures. But they don't have faith in Christ. They don't have faith in God. All men do not have faith. Go back to the book of Hebrews. I don't, go back to We not been to it yet, okay? Go to Hebrews. Chapter 11. As we think about the foundational message of faith and who has faith there's no way we're going to get around going to Hebrews 11 a few times you cannot have spiritual faith and therefore live by faith if you don't know God I mean this is basic foundational this is where it starts Hebrews 11 verse 6 and I think it's interesting that in verse 6 we have a message that happens to follow verse 5. Have you ever thought about this together? By faith Enoch. What about Enoch? He was translated that he should not see death. He was not found because God had translated him. For before he had this translation, before his translation rather, he had this testimony that he what, folks? Out loud, please? He pleased God. I've mentioned this before in messages. All kinds of people in the Bible pleased God the only person in the Bible of whom God specifically says he pleased God was Enoch. Enoch, living in an evil, wicked world. This is just before Noah and the flood. That's what's next in Hebrews. He had this testimony that he pleased God. Pleased God? Had he ever seen God? God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. But you know, he's going to please God, and that leads us right into verse 6. But without faith... It is impossible to please him. Why? For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and then he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You say, why is that verse important? It's important for a whole lot of reasons. We could preach a a series of messages just on that verse. But without faith, it is absolutely impossible to please God. When you talk about pleasing God, then you have to first of all believe that he is. He does exist, he is real, and that he is a rewarder of anyone and everyone who will diligently seek him. That's where it all starts. You have to know God or you can't live by faith spiritually. And that's what separates the Christians from the non-Christians. We know God. That's why an unsafe person cannot live by spiritual faith. You know this verse. I could quote it, you know. Go back to 1 Corinthians 2. Let's read 1 Corinthians 2 together. It's about the unsafe person. He's called the natural man. The unsaved man. First Corinthians two fourteen. In contrast to Christians who have the indwelling Holy Spirit and have the mind of God, there's an unsaved person who doesn't grasp spiritual truth he doesn't understand the bible you can go to a secular university and sit in a classroom of a brilliant brilliant professor who has five earned phd's degrees phd degrees and he could be obviously a very highly intelligent person but if he's not saved you'd be a fool to go to him for spiritual advice would you agree doesn't he's highly intelligent from mentally human standpoint but he doesn't know God. He's never been born again. He doesn't understand spiritual truth. He doesn't have the Holy Spirit in his body who is his teacher so he can talk about science or history or art or whatever he wants to talk about and we got there's a whole lot we could learn from him but when he comes to say, well now let's talk about spiritual things, let's talk about God, let's talk about eternity, then you better get up and better leave. You're not gonna get what you, what you, what you need, okay? That's just the way it is. Why? 1 Corinthians 2.14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. The natural man, the unsaved man, does not comprehend, he doesn't understand the things of the Spirit of God. They're absolutely foolishness unto him. He can't know them. Why? Because they are spiritually discerned. No, he will never figure these things out until he meets and accepts the Christ of the Bible, God's Son, Jesus Christ. Amen? So how can he exercise the same same spiritual faith that we do? He can't. He can believe in planes and pilots and banks and friends and pills and pews and everything else. But when it comes to spiritual things, he's in a dark world. And what a sad world to live in. Christians walk by faith and not by sight. We'll talk about that later in our series of messages on the Holy Spirit, we said a person cannot be controlled by God's Spirit until first of all, he's indwelt by God's Spirit. And so our summary here is that until salvation, a man can experience all kinds of things regarding faith, believing in things or people, but he cannot ever truly experience spiritual faith until he has Christ in his heart. And by the way, he has to know God and the Bible says Only Jesus Christ can reveal God to people. He does it through the ministry of God's spirit, speaking to a person's mind and showing him light. Would you go please to Matthew chapter 11 for just a moment. Matthew 11. This is so simple, but yet so profound. It is so important. And I think so many people miss a simple thing here. Matthew chapter 11, look at verse 27. It's in red letters, which means Jesus said it. Jesus said these words. All things are delivered unto me of my Father. And no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son. And he to whomsoever the Son will what, folks? Reveal him. Just look at the last part. Okay? We'll read the whole verse again. All things are delivered unto me of my Father. And no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the, the Father except or save the Son. And he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Now let me show you something that I think is so simple but so important. And it is that the very foundation of the subject of Who can have faith? And to what extent can an unsaved person experience faith? What's the difference in an unsaved person and a Christian in living the faith life? Would you go please to John 5, 24? I want to show you three verses back to back and compare the message of these verses and follow it up with two as a good summary, and I think you'll see exactly what I'm getting at. John chapter 5, verse 24. What did Jesus say? Would you like to read it with me, please? I'll quote it, you read it together. Here, could you do that, all right? Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Question, on, on whom is the focus in that verse? Is it on God the Father or is it on God the Son? The answer is it's on both. But the main focus goes to God the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you. What did Jesus say? He that hears my word and does what? He believes on me. No, he didn't say that. Verily, verily, I say unto you. He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me. Puts his faith in him that sent me. Trust the one who sent me. What does he have? He has everlasting life. What else about him? The one who believes, the one who hears my word and believes on my Father, the one who sent me, he has everlasting life, and he will not come into condemnation. He is already passed from death unto life. Amen. So, where's the focus? We must believe in God, the Father, the one who sent the word, who sent His Son Jesus Christ, who's speaking the words. Now, with that in mind, would you go to John six? just one chapter later. A very, very similar verse, but a little little different thought here. John 640, I'll quote it, you follow, you do that, okay? And this is the will of him that sent me, that the Son, and believeth on him, may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Where's the focus in that verse? It's on both, but primarily where's the focus? It's on the Son. Jesus says these words. This is, here's where he starts. This is the will of him who sent me. Could I ask you a question? Who sent Jesus? God the Father, the one in whom we have to believe to get eternal life by hearing the words of the Son. The Son's words direct us to the Father, and we receive the Father, and we get eternal life. Okay, now Jesus said, oh, it works the other way too. This is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son may have everlasting life. And to that person, he says, you not only have everlasting life, promise I will raise you up the last day. So John 5, 24, you must believe on the Father who sent the Son so that you have eternal life and you never see condemnation. John 6, 40, you must believe on the Son whom the Father sent. And when you do, you have eternal life and you get raised up the last day. Now with me, please go to John 17. John 17. Jesus is praying to his Father in John 17. He's about ready to go to the cross now. He prays to his Father, and look how his prayer starts. Verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that the Son also may glorify thee. You get that? Both. Father, the hour is come. What hour? The hour of his coming death, burial, resurrection. So he says, glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee as thou hast given him power over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him so the father is giving the lost souls to jesus they believe on him and get eternal life they're in this thing together and then look at verse 3 i love verse 3 you think of john 5:24 and john 6:40 and then you go to John 17:3. So before we read John 17:3 one more time, please, here we go. John 5:24. Jesus says, "Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life." shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. The same Jesus says in John six forty, and this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. And now Jesus Christ is ready to go to the cross, and he says these words. And this is, John seventeen three, and this is life, that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Now, folks, that's the message the world needs. So how do you put this all together? Go back to John 5. And let's look at the verse just before John 5, 24. How about John five twenty-three? We'll start with verse 22. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. Really? So judgment's just all about the Son, but nothing to do with the Father? No, no. don't forget the message of, 20, of 23 now. Why? Why do you do that? That all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. Read the rest of it with me out loud, please. Together. He that honoreth not the Son... Honoreth not the Father which has sent him. Do you understand that? That's why most people in the world who are very religious are lost, but they don't know it. Amen? They all have their God that they worship in different ways. They all have their God that they pray to. They all have their God's temple or synagogue or special sacred place that they go to. And they bow down and they worship and they pray and they give offerings, they give gifts to their God. And they all believe that in their own way, it's everything's going to be fine because they're sincere about their belief in God. Well, listen, most of them have the wrong God. Amen? It's got a small G. Say, so, well, they put a capital letter on it, doesn't change it. The only true God is the God in heaven who created the earth and the universe and one day sent his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to earth by way of a virgin birth. And God in a human body lived a sinless life, went to the cross, died for the sins of the world, was buried rose again the third day, ascended back to the Father, and now Jesus Christ says, this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Because if you don't honor the Son, you don't honor the Father, and if you don't honor God the Father, you don't honor the Son. That's what he says in verse 23 of John 5, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son... You don't honor the Father which has sent him. You cannot honor a God, whoever you think your God is, if he did not send his Son, Jesus Christ, the Savior, and all of God's people said. Now go to 1 John. That's the Gospel of John. Go to 1 John. Go to 1 John. Chapter 2. Same author, God, of course. Same human author, John the Apostle. Same message in different words. 1 John chapter 2, beginning at verse 21. I have not written unto you, believers, because you know not the truth, but because you know it. No lie is of the truth. Who, who is a liar, but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. What Jesus? Jesus of Nazareth. Son of God, who is a liar. The one who denies that Jesus is the Christ. He is anti-Christ. He's against Christ that denies. Oh, look at the next phrase. That denieth the Father and the Son. You say, wait a minute. Just because you deny Jesus Christ, Jesus as the Christ, that doesn't mean you deny God. You can still worship God and believe in God and pray to God and give offerings to God and, and, and be a good person for God and so forth. Do it, you know, God's way. Does it change anything the fact that you reject his son, Jesus Christ? No, God says he changes everything. That's what he says. Whoso denieth the son, the same hath not the father. But he that acknowledgeth the son hath the father also. Did you get that? Read them together. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is antichrist that denieth the father and the son. Why? Because whoever denies the son, the same hath not the father. But he that acknowledges the Son, he that puts his faith in the Son, oh, he has the Father also. What's the message of God? You can't separate the Father and the Son. Jesus said, I and my Father are one. He said, he "He that has seen me has seen the Father. That's the way it is. That's the way it goes. And so a person cannot have spiritual faith until he comes to truly know God. And the only way to really know God is to read the word of God and find out that the only true God is the God who not only created everything and everybody, but he's the God who sent his only son and his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you accept the son, you get the father. When you truly accept that father, you also get the son. It all fits together. Would you go please, if you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5? Because the bottom line is, if you want to get past just human faith, believing in things and people all day long, and you want to get to the most important part of faith, spiritual faith, in a living and true God, There's no way except you get born again. You have to be saved. You have to come to know that you are a sinner facing one day death and judgment in hell. And then believing that God in his great love said, you know what? You don't have to die and go to hell. I'll make a way of salvation. I'll provide a way of salvation. And it's all about my son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you will come to the place where you will say, I admit that I am a sinner, doomed, I'm going to deserve hell and that's where I'm going to go. But I understand from your word, the Bible, God, you've said that you so love the world that you gave your only begotten son. That whoever puts his trust in him, believes in him, puts his faith in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus died for me and rose again. And now I turn away from myself. I turn away from anything good about me. There's nothing about me that would ever gain any merit in your sight. I know I'm a sinner. I deserve damnation. But Father, right now I receive your son, Jesus Christ, as my personal savior. When you get born again into the family of God by simple faith in Jesus Christ and repentance of your sin, God reborns you. You're now a believer in Jesus Christ. You're in the family of God. God's spirit comes to live in your body. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You have everlasting life and every sin you have ever committed, will commit, they're all gone, they're forgiven. The Bible word forgive is to send away, they're gone, they're sent away like they never happened. And life is brand new. And regarding the subject of faith, it's a whole new world. It's a changed ball game. Look at Second Corinthians chapter five, verse seven, speaking to believers. Would you like to say it with me? It's a real short verse. You can do this one. Okay, here we go. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Who walks by faith? Christians. We. How do unsaved people walk? By sight. What's the difference? Everything in the world, as we'll say tonight, as we'll see tonight. We Christians, we live seeing what the world doesn't see. Our whole eternity and then our whole life as a Christian is based on saying, I see what other people who are not saved don't see. Why? Because I believe this book, and I'm going to live accordingly. That's why we think differently. That's why we act differently. That's why we talk differently. That's why we have different motives. That's why we enjoy different things, different pleasures. That's why we have different priorities. That's why we are what we are and they are what they are because they don't walk by faith. They only walk by sight. So what do they see? They see pleasure. What do they see? They see monetary things. They see wealth. They see style, they see this, they see that idea, they see this program, they see what's going on here. It's like, okay, this is just like the way to go. Sometimes they just see whatever they're taught by mom and dad or the, or the teacher at school or, or the, the guy who's running the government or whatever. It's just like this is, we just, you know, whatever, whatever it is, no, they just live by the visible. They don't live by the spiritual eternal. So they have faith, but it's all about material things, earthly things. But believers, in contrast, we walk by faith and not by sight. Why? Because we've been born. Think about this before we're finished here, okay? A dead person can lie down. Is that correct? Can a dead person lie down? Did you ever go to a funeral? They're lying down. They're dead. Can a dead person sit up? Well, you can if you prop them up. Can a dead person stand up? Yeah, if you stand them up. <laughs> we were watching some, Bonnie was watching some Perry Mason the other night. And I came in the room and she's got Perry Mason on and somebody just killed somebody. I sit down and watch a little bit here, you know? So I get out my little handheld Yahtzee, you know, a little entertainment while I watch Perry Mason. And, and, and somebody just got shot or killed or something like that. And the guy stuffed him in the closet, but he stood him up in there. So the detective or Pramas, or somebody, Pramason or somebody else, they come walk in the office and they open it. What happened when they open the door? Pew. Oh, I guess what? He's dead. I'll say, so a dead person can lie down, a person, a dead person can be propped up and sit-up, a dead person can stand. Could I ask you a question? Can a dead person walk? No, you've got to have life in you to walk. Now I know somebody's gonna go Google something that happened one time and they did this mechanical thing and they put this little thing in here and they made this dead man walk don't even tell me about it okay I don't even want to hear especially if you check that out in church okay <laughs> okay it takes life to walk it doesn't take life to lie there it doesn't take life to sit there it doesn't take life. It doesn't take life to stand up be propped up there in the door open and you go down but if you're going to walk you're going to have life and no unbeliever can walk the Christian life by faith because he's not alive and in closing Would you go please to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Ephesians 2, verse 1. If you know your Bible, maybe you were thinking this verse before I ever got there. Ephesians 2, verse 1. And you, who's you? Believers in Ephesus here, context. Who's you? Every Christian. And you, Christian, saved person, and you hath he quickened. What does that mean? Make Help you run fast? I told the young people the other day, I told somebody someplace, maybe it was in prayer meeting, when I was in high school, I was on a track team. Hard to believe I was on a track team. Ran a 100-yard dash. I said I was pretty fast. You ever see me run now? It takes me a long time to get from home plate to first base. So this is not run fast, quick, you know. And you hath he quickened, which means what? Made alive. Who has God made alive? And you hath he quickened, made alive, who were, you tell me please, dead in trespasses and sins. That's that's every unsafe person. He can lie there, he can sit there, he can stand there, but he can't walk because there's no life in him. And a Christian, and a non-Christian, listen, every unsafe person we see and know we could be thinking this. You know what? She's alive physically. Would you like to finish it? But she's dead spiritually. Oh, he's walking around and has a pretty good life going physically. Yeah, he's he's doing fine. But spiritually, he's absolutely dead. So he can do all his faith things in this temporal, physical, material world because he only walks by sight but because we have been born again by the grace of God we are redeemed regenerated saved we have a different lifestyle everything about us is different spiritually for one reason because by the grace of God we came one day to say you know what this is what Jesus said and he's the one that his father sent So I believe in God the Father who sent the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe in the work of God the Father who sent the Son Jesus Christ. And I believe in the work of Jesus Christ, what he did and where he is now, because that was all his Father's plan. And I forsake my sin and I trust Christ. And God says, I save you. And now if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation, a new creature. All things passed away. All things are become new. It's in the same chapter, by the way, Second Corinthians. And now we walk by faith and not by sight. So the next question is, what's faith? What's faith anyway? If the Lord willing tonight, the message. So what is spiritual faith? Would you bow your heads, please? We have to start there we have to start there. When you preach about faith, you got to start there. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. And whosoever believeth in him, puts his faith in him, he should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Listen now, he that believeth on him, whoever puts his faith in him is not condemned. He that believeth not, the one who does not put his faith in Jesus Christ, he's condemned already for one reason, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. You tell me this is not important. This is the most important message a man could ever preach. The message of salvation in Jesus Christ and how that changes everything about living a life by sight or by faith. Is there anybody here today who would say, Pastor Carces, would you pray for me? I don't know that I'm truly saved. I'm not sure that I've ever been born again. Would you pray for me, please? Anyone? Raise your hand, let me know. Anyone at all? Our Father, we pray today that this foundational message would stir us as your people to be greatly appreciative, to be thankful that we want to live by faith. Because we know we would never have that desire if you didn't save us. We'd be like anybody and everybody else round about us. Having a great time perhaps Successful, happy. Thinking there's no major problems we can't handle. We live our life with all of our stuff. Being successful, we think. And we die and go to hell. Because it was all by sight and not by faith. Thank you, Father, for saving us. I pray that you would open our spiritual eyes. However many messages you lead, Father, in this series that we might Truly, truly appreciate. Know how important our faith is. Help us to grow in it and be strong. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand together, please?